Hey, let's talk about breaking the cycles. Welcome to Breaking the Cycles with Lazina and Tasia. I'm your host, Lazina, and today Tasia is taking a little break, but I do have with me my very good friend, Angie. Hello. <laughs> Angie has been with me throughout a lot, through a lot of um, different seasons and has definitely been one of my go-to person. She's my people, my person. I can vent to her, cry, or just have conversation with her about any and everything. Um, but uh, most importantly, she's been a constant sort of su- source of support and guidance for me. So let's welcome Angie. Hi, I'm excited to be a part of this. I am extremely proud of you and your daughter for mm-hmm. starting this. This will help many, many, many folks. Thank you so much. You definitely are um, always championing me um, to do things. So uh, it whenever I need an empowerment boost, I go to Angie. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll tell me what, oh, you're a trendsetter girl. That's my favorite one. <laughs> Trendsetter. Well, I come with questions. <laughs> yes, you have. Um, so Angie listens a lot um, to mo- of every single episode that we post. And um, I was talking to her one day about some feedback and kind of like as a viewer or listener, sorry, what information um, you're looking for? What kind of, what, what do you feel like you want to know more of? And that's when we came up with this great idea for a solo podcast with me and you so that we can go over some of those topics um so go right ahead and hit me with all your questions ma'am i think from an outsider's perspective looking in i always wanted to understand what were the immediate things that you did as soon as you found out that everything was occurring so that night that you found out everything what were some of your immediate steps to begin processing, to begin um, dismantling your marriage. What were, it's that first 24 to 48 hours of complete shock mm-hmm. where you're trying to step into a new world. Mm-hmm. What were your, what were your immediate thoughts and how did you process through those? Well, my imme- the immediate thought was, um, I was under the assumption that this, um, there was going to be an arrest and, you know, there was, that was done. So immediately I was like, okay, I need to make sure that my children were um, maintained in the same um, living that they were. And then of course, trying to, trying to process everything. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I did well on the interview that I had the following day to maybe get, to get a, a job that pays more. Sadly, that didn't work out, but it ended up working yeah. out. For me. Um, I think that most of your listeners won't even understand that you found this out the night before you were going in for an interview on our team. Yes. And I knew that morning because you came and told me, and I was absolutely stunned mm-hmm. that you were even at work. <laughs> yeah. I, I went straight into survival mode. I completely um, was like, okay, well, he's going to go to jail and I'm going to be the sole breadwinner for my children. So what are the, some steps that um, I need to do? Uh, I knew that we were, we had planned on having a vacation. We were having a four day weekend at one of the resorts. So um, this was the last day of work before I went off on that vacation. So I had already had the kids packed and everything like that. So we went to 
um, that resort and I expected that, you know, everything, clothing and all that stuff from him would be gone. So um, I, I didn't even tell my kids or anything like that at that time. Well, I didn't tell my kids at all. My daughter did. But um, I, um, sorry, I'm stuttering too. <laughs> he, we went to that resort and him and I were still communicating and he was kind of telling me things um, that he was going to make it right. So I was like, okay, well, let's talk to the mortgage company to make sure that the mortgage stays the same, like, or at least if you're not going to be able to pay for it, I'm going to pay for it. Let's figure out some, um, a, any kind of solutions that they have to put, to put that um, payment onto me so that I could take care of that. And just kind of try to fi figure out financially how I was going to be able to do it on my own. And it was, um, I, at, this was the first 20, 24 hours. So I was getting reassurance that that was all going to be taken care of. Um, but as far as finances goes, that my then my other thought was my daughter, making sure that she was okay. And after I spoke to her and I found out more details about what happened, I still kept in communication with him and he started kind of blaming her a little bit. So I was completely confused at that point. I was, but I might, I really just wanted to connect with my daughter and I immediately knew like he told me, but I didn't have to, um, there was no second guessing. Like, do I need to listen to him any further or, you know, do I take his words over my daughter? My daughter's words came front and center. Uh, like at that moment, the relationship for with him was dead. This was no longer the person that I was married to. This is the person that hurt my child. And I need to figure out how I'm going to connect with my kids and make sure that I take the financial responsibility uh, on my own so that I can be their um, support for, how, for the rest of their lives. You touched on something that I was never aware of until just now. Yeah. Uh, you said that your daughter is the one who told the younger kids. Yeah. I, I guess I had always assumed in my mind it was a conversation that you had with the kids. So how did you feel about it when you discovered that she had told them? Oh, um, she didn't tell them separately from me. They had no idea. They, had, they did not have a clue about what happened. Uh, we, they just kind of wondered why he wasn't at the resort with us. But I had um, one of my daughter's friend go with us instead. So she was just over the moon to have her friend with her. So no questions was really asked. But they could sense some tension was there. So when we came home that Sunday, um, and they noticed like all of his clothes were gone and I was trying to clean up, that's when they asked me um, what happened. Mm -hmm. And um, I told them that it's not my place to tell them. And they were like, well, mommy, is it because daddy cheated on, um, you cheated on daddy? And I was like, no, that has nothing to do with it. Um, but it really isn't my place to tell you. Um, let's wait until your sister gets off of work and we can maybe have a conversation then. Mm -hmm. And that's when she came over and we and she told them what happened. And I was there for them to just, you know, comfort and hold them because it was very traumatic for them. And what did you do after that? So now the children are all aware. 
Mm-hmm. You've come back to the house, you're figuring out your finances. So mm-hmm. like that is how did you find a lawyer or counselors for the kids? There were, there were several advice given to me. They were, oh yeah, that's, that's, I forgot to mention. Immediately I reach out to the insurance company so that I can get counseling. I was like, immediately everybody's going into counseling. And yeah. thankfully I was able to find, uh, it took a few days though, because, you know, calling and leaving phone num- messages for like four or five different counselors. And then um, there was, some some didn't call back and then some called back so it took a it took a uh, at least a few days for me to hear back from someone and then from then it took a while to even get scheduled in the first visit so throughout all of that it was um my but my immediate thought was make sure counseling so while all of that stuff is going on i was trying to figure out what to do legally um but he had told me that he was going to take care of everything so i was like relying on him Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was after like about a week or two when things started going sour, even more so. And then I, um, I, I was asking around about lawyers and how do I go about this? At first, I, um, a lot of people told me about uh, getting legal aid. I called legal aid and it was like one of those things where you had to uh, show up at the office on a Thursday between one and three. Oh, Wow. Yeah, I was like, wait, I, but I need like actual help, right? And then people right. were telling me, well, you can go and get a, you can find a pro bono lawyer, call around, call this number, call that number. But nothing seemed like it was immediate. Everything was just yeah. like, I'd have to go through this long process before I could get anything. And then someone told me about legal aid. Tell me about legal aid. And I think it was one of our teammates or maybe you. And um, I called the one through our our company and they told me the only thing that they do is that they give a referral. They give a, um, they give a referral for lawyers in the area, but the, um, the, in what they, what the discount, the discount was is uh, 30 minutes consultation. So they gave me, they gave me a list of uh, lawyers to call and um, I saw a few of them, but one of them stood out to me. And that's when I, um, I called, but when I called, I was, I was talking to them about what happened to my daughter, not about getting a divorce. Right. Um, right. and then it was explained to me that, well, that's a criminal case. So with things, with, when it's a criminal case, you have to, the, the district attorney or the state attorney is the one that takes care of that. I, they can't help me with it. Yeah. So after like a few days of more confusion and more conversation with different people, just trying to get ideas of what to do, I called them, I, I called them back and then I was like, well, what about representation as far as a divorce goes? Because now, I, you know, we have children and we have a, we have a, we have a home. So that's when um, they told me, you know, I spoke to the lawyer, got, got, um, it was a great conversation and I immediately felt like this was my, this was the person to represent me, but then financially I couldn't afford it. Right. So I kind of weighed around and I called around a few different places and overall the, the price was the same. It was just a matter of who I felt comfortable with. So I, at that point I was like, all right, well, let me get a second job and then I can start saving money in order to get a divorce to file for it because I, there's no way I could come up with all of this money at this time. 
Right. Luckily for me, the lawyer's office, they had an automated email system that kept sending out emails over and over. So I called them back and I was like, listen, I just can't afford it right now. I'm going to come with you guys, but I, I, I'm going to, I just can't afford it. And they were able to work something out with me. And wow. Yeah. They were, I, I was incredibly blessed for that, but I'm not a person who likes to owe anybody. So my mom, thankfully she did a, a fundraiser and I was, I was able to get uh, most of the money through that to be able to pay mm-hmm. them off uh, faster than anticipated. And you said you found them through legal aid? Yeah, through our company, uh, legal aid. Good to know. Good yeah. to know. Yeah. As many people just struggle with, you know, Googling mm-hmm. the nearest lawyer at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's good to know you can go somewhere that's already referred or background checked these lawyers before you call. Because your lawyer sounds phenomenal and the fact that they were still willing to work with you knowing that you didn't have the money up front. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, and we, we did as much as I, and I paid them off as much as I could, just because I know that, that it's, 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 um, at the time everyone's like, wow, that's expensive. You should probably look for another lawyer, but I called so many people and it's the same price. It's just a matter of me giving them money. And like any service you, you have to pay, like, you can't go to the grocery store and just take your grocery and say, Hey, I'll pay you later. Right. And uh, so I was like, they're not asking for something unreasonable i just didn't have it at the time so i was really glad that they were that they work with me on that to get to get um at least started did they help you at least guide you through the criminal process so that you knew who to speak with did you speak with the sheriff how do you you know did they at least guide you through what the criminal process will look like um, no, because they're family law and criminal law is separate uh, okay. for for criminal law. Because she's over 18, there's nothing me as a parent could do. If she yeah. was underage, I'd be I'd have more involvement. But because she's over 18, there wasn't anything that I could do. So I tried to call the detective um, that was overseeing the case. And I had a lot of difficulty getting hold of him, too. It was in the county that we were living in, it was only four detectives at the time because they were extremely understaffed because some, I guess, two people got pregnant. So for him to even communicate with me, it was really, really a big deal. So I had, I went to the school. I went to um, even my my younger children's school because when when she reported it in school, that report went to my kids' school because they wanted to make sure that everybody was aware. So I, I spoke see. to the sheriff there. He gave me some advice. I spoke to the sheriff on, at both places. Um, and then, oh my God, it took months to even understand how the criminal system works. It takes perseverance too. Yeah, like you have... The one- you, you sell yourself short on is that you have been determined from day one. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think it frustrates some people's because like you said, you called, you called, mm-hmm. you called and found out that that wasn't going to work out. So you had to call somewhere else, but it took that perseverance to get you to uh, another step. Yeah. I definitely made sure that I even showed up at the office with my daughter, of course, 
this be, and that's the, this is the criminal part to at least get some answers of how it's going to go and what's taking so long. And what they've explained is incredibly frustrating because you would think someone can do something like this and they can, they will immediately be held accountable and stuff like that. Up, at least held in jail until mm-hmm. trial. Mm-hmm. Nope. He tried to avoid them himself. He gave, put the wrong phone number on his confession, um, gave a, a different address, not the one where he was living. And when they went to the address that he was, he gave, they were, he was told that he doesn't live there. So they withheld information, obviously. And then um, when he finally got arrested, he bonded out and has been out since until trial. Wow. Yeah. So right now you are still currently going through the divorce proceedings. Correct. You still are waiting for a criminal trial. Yeah. And you have, um, now your family is beginning healing. Yeah. You're in a much better place Mm -hmm. and you're not even halfway through the battle. Not at all. No. It's amazing in itself. So that leads me to ask, especially because you're within the battle right now. Mm-hmm. How is it that you came to decide to do this series with your daughter? Well, it was, um, the idea of this series came about when my, um, I was talking to my sister-in-law and I've, I've talked to many people, including yourself, you, you, I, I don't know words about, um, about how frustrating this whole process is. And then, what do we what do we do like i i couldn't just sit there and accept it i i felt like something needs to be done i have to do something and um when i start i started thinking about what i wanted to do where it was more like there's other people that are going through this and i was so alone in this and trying to find all this information and i i was completely lost completely blindsided because i'd never been through this nothing with criminal system or anything. So I didn't, when I got divorced the first time, I got a lawyer. It was easy peasy, went to mediation. That's it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, that relationship, um, uh, the mediation and all that, that person did enough damage to themselves to help along with my, with my case. So it was easy peasy. Not, didn't even take long at all but with this one now there's a sexual assault involved right i need to protect right. my children from yes. it um the it's not as simple as um uh we're separating let's come to an agreement about time sharing and things like that i'm literally protecting my children from it. this man um groomed her manipulated her controlled her what went to therapy for eight years and did all of these things. So there's no guarantee for me that he is not going to do the same to my younger ones. And I'm just going to allow him to be in their lives. Like, sure, go right ahead. Damage them too. The, the, for me, the, it's, it, it would be more damaging for them and they don't want anything to do with him, you know? So I was like, how, so going through all of that and these thoughts and everything, I was completely lost in trying to find answers and what to do. So I figured there was going to be other women like me. 
there's going to be and then there's going to be other women other children or other other um, victims that are like my daughter right so why not use my story and go out there with it and let's bring those people together because that feeling sucks that feeling it like eats your soul it just pulls and pulls on you and i sometimes it comes back and i don't like it's still there too you know but not just not as much because i've been trying my hardest to move forward but there's other i'm sorry no i'm sorry (laughs) no that's okay I'll be honest with you. One of the things that fascinated me from the beginning, because I'm inherently a private person, Mm -hmm. just how I was raised and brought up. So I was very fascinated with how open you were about it because you're right. This has been taboo. Mm -hmm. This is something people don't talk about. Uh, And it can happen within the household and maybe members of the household never under, never discover it. Yeah. That's so exactly right. The fact that you are so open and vocal and comfortable about it, you and to see it is absolutely amazing to me, especially because you're still in the fight. It's like the first day was only the opening round. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more fight that goes into it down the road. A lot of people just give up and they you know hope for the best, but I that's that's why I'm fighting so much too, because people don't talk about it and they give up and they think like, well, sir, I can't tell my story because this person, this family member is going to feel, and I felt that too. At first I was like, I don't want to say anything to anybody because Mm -hmm. I'm ashamed. I was completely ashamed of all of this. And um, I felt like I had myself to blame. I felt people were going to blame me. They were going to look down on me and things like that. And I was like, well, this is exactly why people don't say anything because of yes. how many times of it has it happened and this is the feeling that you get you're are so much fear and and worry because we were conditioned this way so i was like no um we're gonna well at least i was gonna do it and then when i spoke to my daughter and she was like yeah i'll join you on it and i was like that's even better and how brave of her at 19 to yeah want to do this you know she's still going through a lot and trying and to tell her story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she has she has quite a little bit more to go and but the, but she has a she has that support to know that she can and a lot of times I, I like I said before I didn't think that I was going to get support I didn't I at sometimes I felt like I had to be defending myself or had to tell my story over and over because people weren't hearing and yeah. un- unfortunately, unless you're walking, unless you have a lot of empathy and um, and you're and a kind heart, it's easy to mm-hmm. understand. But then some people just can't understand it because they they weren't in there, they didn't walk in that shoe. So it was um it was definitely great for me to be able to have her on it with me because it 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 strengthens our bond even more. Yes, it does. Yes, it does as well as keeping everyone in their own individual counseling. So mm-hmm. everyone has a safe place exactly. to be able to express themselves. Yeah, and this is something that we're doing away from the children. So the younger ones, they don't, they know there's a podcast. They don't know what it's about. They, they're they happy to have their sister come and visit once in a while. They're enjoying their lives. You know, they have some residual effects of, 
um, of what happened, but that's why they're in therapy too. So um, the therapy is mostly for them to make sure that they are empowered enough and strengthened so that when they get older, they don't make those um, mistakes based on anything that they were missing. It's very, um, there's so many, so much topics about father wound, right? So when you grow up without a father, how it makes you feel, how it makes you make decisions about relationships and stuff like that. I don't want that for them. I don't, it's not theirs to carry. They didn't do it. So why should they suffer for the rest of their life for it? Correct. And neither did did see it. She didn't do it either. She was a victim all through, um, all through everything. So she needs to heal from this so that she herself can move on and and live her life without the effects of this. Like it, I think it's to a certain extent it's always going to be there, but it's coping and learning to cope with it. And you nailed it right on the head with that. It is, it's coping. And mm-hmm. unfortunately for so many, that coping ends up in either drugs or alcohol. Yeah. Um, yeah. Numb it. So it is very commendable to see it, to be learning to cope with it by discussing it, by working on it, by counseling by mm-hmm. having conversations with you about it, it is very commendable because there's so many other ways that people unfortunately cope because yeah. they don't have outlets. They don't have a trust with anyone around them. Mm-hmm. And she has that trust built in you. It's inherent. Whether mm-hmm. it was there all the time, it was manipulated, but then she saw the full picture. Yeah. So you can never take away that. Yeah. And there's, there's, um, uh, with uh, with some of the things with the how the justice system works that I um found out, it's 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 sad for victims and their families to get justice and to move on. And I was sitting in the meeting with um the uh, the state attorney, and when they were telling me the process and how it takes, and then they, and then someone said, and then sometimes um people just decide that they're gonna move on with their life. They don't want to deal with this anymore, and they drop the case. And it kind of felt like she was trying to get us to think that way. Right. And to say that to a victim, it means you're, they're the ones that's supposed to be fighting for them. And when you right. hear that, it's like a stab in the heart. So you're telling me, I just need to move on. Because they know the this can go on for years. And we can either be stuck and be sad and... It is, it's extremely sad and hurtful, but how, how long are we going to stay in that? And that is definitely something I, I don't want for any of, of us. We can't, we have to do something and push and fight and get. And understand it's a long fight. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is an uphill battle mm-hmm. because as that state attorney said, and I wish she wouldn't have said that so many people just drop it. And I think it's because it takes so long and nobody explains at the beginning that it is going to take a long time, yeah. that they do have X amount of times to go in front of a judge or delay or whatever mm-hmm. the case is. There's no playbook for it. So mm-hmm. like yourself, like I would think, I would think less than six months, this entire criminal part would be wrapped up. Mm-hmm. However, that is not the case. And so I can see where other people can be manipulated after a while. Yeah. Because it's such a long time. It's 12 to 18 months to even get anywhere with the criminal part. And that 
with the virus and the the things that's going on right now that that pushed it back even more wow yeah cuz i can see where time can definitely work against a lot of people if they're um we'll call them uh the accused at the time yeah. have that able to manipulate the the story manipulate the situation yeah. then it changed so many variables so many people are afraid to be out on the street per se the next day. Mm-hmm. It's like, where do I go? What money do I have? What resources can I rely on? Mm-hmm. And what I'm getting from what I'm getting for from a lot of um, other parents who's endured the, this, going through this, um, is this person did something so terrible that hurt their child that has affected their child mental and emotional state that's going to affect them for the rest of their life and depending on how their support system is and how they're going to cope with it and all of that stuff into effect but they still have to go to court and hear negative things like they like as a mother like i have to sit there and defend myself you know as on other mothers they have to prove that they're doing everything in the best for their children like so there's not much uh it's it's really sad and heartbreaking because sexual abuse doesn't stop the you know like there's no protection from it for kids yeah it doesn't seem like there's an immediate reaction to it as you would think there would be it'd be like oh this is an immediate it's almost like robbing a store yeah. it's immediate then you get arrested and then you can possibly post bail yeah but it's an immediate reaction which is absolutely mind-blowing to me yeah it's very it's very scary because especially not knowing anything at all and hoping and praying and then i hear other stories where it didn't the outcome wasn't good for other people you know so it's like what it's like almost like it was designed that way and at some point I hope that the I hope that there's some changes that can be made with the way the the um, judges and the courts see, especially family courts see it, because not everything is black and white. You can't like I'm not in favor of women alienating their children from their from their parents, but that's right. th- at some point you have to say, well, this is not okay. We're not going to normalize this. This is sexual abuse to your child to or your stepchild to you know you this this affects them not having some people just um growing up and their my father died when I was young, so I grew up without a father that's already done damages to me right mm-hmm. and then some people grow up with their father abandons them or they're in their lives or they're they're abusive or they're just not you know, there for their children. And that's a lot of trauma. And on top of that, you're going to say that it's okay. Like it's normal. Like, yeah, sure. Go spend time with your other children, even though you sexually abuse one. At what, yeah. point, at what point does that change? That's what's absolutely crazy because you have an open case and you have an open divorce at the same time. And I would think the open case would really intersect with the divorce um, but it doesn't seem to. They seem to be two separate entities that the courts are looking at. I mean, it's all about pleading, you know, p- presenting the case in front of a judge and 
going through it and up up to their decision um but it seems to me that it should it shouldn't take this long and there should be some kind of standard or something in place that if the per if the father sexually abused or mother whoever if there's some sexual abuse has happened something else it should be another way to yes. another road it it doesn't yes. shouldn't even be. if it has to be visitation fine then it's supervised visitation in a counseling center it's somewhere where they can be observed at least yeah. because yes now there is a huge cloud of doubt that you're not going to be able to remove yeah. so how do you at least protect them while everything is still being investigated yeah and they and the for the children they don't necessarily they don't want that person around they're it's like um it takes them back right it, it's like picking right. a scab so i'm i'm basically doing what they want and it's yes. not doing what they want because they don't know what they want i'm looking at their emotional needs i'm looking at their all of their needs I'm taking care of. And if this is something that they, that they don't want and they're, they're voicing that opinion to me that they don't want it, I have to do everything I can to at least get, at least fight for that. Yes. And if um, someone told me once when my first, um, I I was seeing a therapist a long time ago and she said it was when my daughter um, had first, um, came out about her sexual assault when she was from when she was 10 years old and I said like what do I do as a parent what what can I do now it's it was it was six, uh, six years ago and they said well you can still file um, an investigation because you don't want her growing up and say well mom you didn't take care of me you could have did something yeah that is true that is true mm-hmm. so I mean it showing the fight Sometimes you don't always win and sometimes there's legal technicalities that are going to play into factor, but it's, it's showing that you're, you're going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. if you lose a round, well, there's another round to be had. Yeah. Yep. So um, for me, I just have to, f- I'm going to fight for them. I'm going to fight for what they want and how that goes. It goes. Um, it's up to a higher power as I just, we got to keep believing that it's going to work out. It's just really, really stressful. Yes. That I can not even imagine, to be honest with you, how stressful it is. But I do believe that it will work out. Mm -hmm. Um, Because luckily your children are old enough to express themselves Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and to be heard if necessary, even if it's just the judge who hears them in private chambers, they are old enough to be heard on that. So it's terrible to think that you have to get to that point where they now have to come into the process and they have to talk to strangers and go through uh, the story again. Yeah. Yep. And unfortunately that's what you have to do sometimes to honestly get where you want to get. And it's just, it's absolutely shameful on, and I'll just say the accused because mm-hmm. it's continuing the uh, abuse. Yeah, exactly. You're dragging it out more and more and more when you should gracefully back away. If if the truth, the true intentions um, from the time that was given to me was I will take accountability for this. I'll work on making things right. Uh, within two days, three days later, 
um, blaming the victim and then yelling and me and, you know, not doing anything to help me and eventually cutting me off in conversation and just hanging up the phone and blocking me um, to then not, you know, every, everything that they've done from then to now mm -hmm. doesn't show anything, any kind of um, proof to me that they're trying to do what's in the best interest of their children. They're just trying to do what's in the best interest of themselves. I think they knew, they thought they knew you better. Mm -hmm. They thought you would eventually, it would settle. Yep. They thought that you would appease the situation because you wanted to keep your family unit together as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And they probably thought they had a financial hold on you mm -hmm. where you wouldn't yep. be able to do it without me. So yep. all of that turned and now they're absolutely flabbergasted at, look at her. Yeah. <laughs> Look what she's doing every day. Look at her. Yeah. She's winning. That's what she's doing. That's she's what winning. She's doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think for the most part, I I went, I was very independent when I first met the, met him. And then to get to a point where I lost myself completely, didn't have no faith in myself, nothing like I didn't mm -hmm. think I could do it. And they definitely thought I couldn't do it financially and the only reason they confess is because that's what was, the choice was given to them either confess or i report you and so they confess, or other than that if everything would have been toxic continuing to be toxic but these well, thankfully you have found a way to turn that toxicity around yeah. and to heal from mm -hmm. it and yeah. to show others that you can heal from it mm -hmm. I, and, and you can, definitely you can, because we're so afraid. That's the thing. And that's what keeps us back is we're afraid because things can be used against us in court and this can be used against us and that. And are, are we, how could we not have seen this? How did we allow it? We were, you know, we have to reopen our minds and look and see it for what it is. This is, this is something wrong. Yes. And if we hide and we're ashamed then whoever we're hiding and we're ashamed from, they're wrong. Yes. Because you, who in their right mind would judge somebody for taking their children out of a situation, you know? And then some, exactly. some women just didn't have, doesn't have a choice. And I really, my heart goes out to them because they're stuck in such a terrible situation where they don't realize that they can build themselves up financially. They can go to the courthouse. They can go and talk to people they're at least try to find ways, but they're scared. And I don't blame them for being scared because that's how we were conditioned. It's why your title is so powerful in breaking the cycles because this has been going on for generations yeah. in different households, in different families, in different churches, in different organizations. It's been going on for generations. Yeah. And between the, the fear of shame, the fear of guilt, mm -hmm. um, so many people have been quiet, and I think that's exactly why it has gone on yeah. as long as it's gone on. Yeah, everybody is just kind of like waiting it out, and let's leave it up to the law. The law is going to take care of it, and they—they're not going to fight for you unless you fight fight them. I guess you have to push them. Yes, they need to know you're as invested in it as they are, mm -hmm. and I think that does make a difference. And I think calling and checking on the status of it all the time, I do think that that makes a difference. 
because, okay, this is someone who is a survivor. Mm -hmm. This is someone who is going to see this all the way through. Yeah, and that is one of the things that always, um, that always bo that bothers me too, is that it takes, and I say it all the time, it takes so much to even come out with it. And then when you come out with it, you're stuck. Because it takes so long for for them to get to justice, why does a why does a um a sexual abuser who's been charged get to postpone their things three times? But like who yeah. or why do they even get to plea negotiate? What do you what do you have to bring to the table? You know what are you offering? That that's what confuses me about all of that. It shows you how naive we are as a society because unless you're in that situation, I, like I never knew that. I was appalled as you were when you found out because I thought that that was asinine. But because it's not something we ever come across, we had no idea that that's how the laws were set up. That mm -hmm. you had this many opportunities. I mean, you look at things that are presented on TV and you think it can be solved in an hour or less. Exactly. So <laughs> you yeah. really can't wrap your mind around, wait, the next court date's not until six months from now? Yeah. Yeah, it is, and it's sad that um, it's it's really sad how family court looks at it. Uh, I know a lot of women who have been through have been through regular normal divorces, and family court is like, uh, no, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, in Florida, it's what fifty fifty, so it it doesn't even matter what the other person has done. Are you kidding me? This is children we're talking about. They're growing up. We I had that exact same conversation during my during my divorce mediation mm -hmm. when talking about visitation. It's like, so what you're saying is we all wait for something horrendous to happen mm -hmm. and then we can act. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I think at some point somebody we we can't rely on the on the law. Like we we can hope and pray that they come through, and sometimes they come through. And sometimes they don't. And my children aren't sometimes. You know? Yes. They're and not, they're not a number in somebody's desk. They're my they're mine. So I I think about um I think about people who have lost their children and lost has actual losses and how mm -hmm. other people can't relate to that because it's not theirs. Like when you're going through it, like they're 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 people that are they're little people and they're gonna grow into adults that's gonna make decisions and it's gonna um shape the rest of their lives because of this so of course therapy getting them in there and try to work out those little the clear them the clear the water clear the mud out so that they can be their true selves i want, I want that for them but if i have to co-parent with um any, I think anybody has to co-parent with someone who sexually assaults their kids. That's not fair to the kids because the kids are, they're bright. They're smart. You know, they, yes. they, they're aware of what's going on. They have questions. We can't just yes. say, oh, then we'll go be going back in times. And we say, well, you know, this is adult business. You don't belong here. You don't, you don't get to know. How has that worked out in the past? Well, not only that, but what does it show the kids as far as consequences? Exactly. They That's don't understand then that something can be considered as, as 
heinous of a crime as this is, it doesn't register to them because they don't see any consequences from right. it. Right. So they can they can take that and run with it. Like, well, if this person isn't facing any consequences, what what do I do? And how do you take how at some point that like let's say the uh, a child does something and the and the parent has to discipline them, but the parent themselves hasn't taken any consequences. So what do you take? What are what are you doing to that child's mind and their emotions? Exactly. Exactly. And what does it feed the ego? of the accused if nothing ever actually becomes of it yeah then walking around like literally the untouchable which is even more meanwhile my child has to carry these emotions and live with it and try to cope and try to be better and and that's what that's all we're trying to do is all of us are trying to pick ourselves up and deal with this so that it doesn't affect our our emotions and uh, mostly our emotions and our mental health so that we can function and, you know, move on, be happy, do things. But it comes back. It doesn't just go away. It's a constant struggle. You're constantly having to bring yourself there and it gets easier and easier, but then sometimes it takes you back and you have to start it all over again. And they didn't, they don't deserve that. No. But what it definitely makes you is the strongest of survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely true. But um, I did. I think that um, I'm. I so far we've gotten really good feedback about doing the podcast, and it's been great. Um, so I'm really hoping that that you know keeps going and keeps helping other people. Because that's all we can do is be there for one another. I really that I'm telling you, Angie, that feeling of being lost and I don't even know how to get like it feels like something is stabbing you in the center of your eyes and you don't know where to look you don't know where to like it's so much confusion and there's not really much help out there because not a lot of people go through it speak about it so um you'll hear from someone oh well I think you can do this or you could possibly do that or maybe this right there's no definitive answer yeah so it's um it's very difficult, a very difficult thing to go through. And sometimes I, my daughter, she has so much pressure on her um, when she's in an emotional state. And it's she has to just sit there in it. And I don't want that for her. She didn't deserve that. No, no. But this is definitely helping her. Mm-hmm. The platform that you both have created is helping others. Because yeah. if others have nowhere else to turn, they know they can at least turn to you all mm-hmm. and ask for your advice um, or even just to talk their story through because mm-hmm. they may never have told their story to anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely had a, a girl um, a few episodes ago. She never, she hadn't told her story. It was the first time doing it. And it's very powerful. It's very, like, the, we can't keep hiding it. The more we hide it, the more we're normalizing it and the more we're saying well you just have to get better at raising to that level of dealing with it you know but it's not okay there's a reason why it's against the law exactly exactly and like you said it's a cycle and you girls are out there to break it open (laughs) definitely working on that definitely well I'm going to say thank you very much for joining me today. And um, 
as always, I look forward to conversations with you. So. Well, just know that you have plenty of fans out there mm-hmm. and plenty of people that admire your strength and courage you took in this last year to get where you have gotten with three children. Oh my gosh. Thank you. When, <laughs> I, when, I, hear, when I hear you say it, that's when I'm like, oh yeah, I did do that, didn't I? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> you, you never missed work. You kept up on all kinds of different appointments and mm-hmm. state's attorney's office and lawyer's visits and doctor's visits. And oh, by the way, you moved in between it all. Oh my yes. God. That was another thing. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Straighten your crown. Straighten your crown. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been a pleasure talking to you, Angie, and to our view, our listeners. I keep saying viewers like we're on YouTube. <laughs> to our <laughs> to our listeners, um, We will see you on our next episode. Bye. Hi, it's Tasia again. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you could please follow our Instagram at breaking underscore the underscore cycles. And our Twitter handle is breaking underscore the underscore psych CY7. Also, please sub to our website at breakingthecycles.net. See you next week.